I've run along some pictures of me in, in like four stages, okay? And I don't want you guys to be shocked when you see these pictures, okay? I don't want you to go, oh, my gosh. Um, he, he was, he was a, a nut. So the first picture I want to show you is my baby picture. If we'll bring that up, there I am. All right, that was me. As you notice, I still had a head of hair back then when I was, when I was a baby. Um, we, we're addressing the subject of who do you say that I am. Uh, you know, um, I, was, I was reading where uh, Jesus asked his disciples. He said, hey, guys, you know, basically, I kind of picture it like this. You know, they were all hanging out, maybe doing a fish fry. I don't know. You know, fish fries are good, right, Caleb? Yeah, so, so maybe they, you know, eat this fish, and, and Jesus was like, hey, guys, who do you say that I am? You know, and they're all, he says, I know what all the nuts are saying, that, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a prophet that's come alive again. You know, I'm a nut. I'm a basket case. I'm a weirdo. You know, but who do you say that I am? And um, when I started thinking about that deeply, I, 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 had to, I wanted to go back to that point when Jesus became relevant to me, when he became the light bulb syndrome, where it just came on. You know what I'm saying? And so CJ was like, hey, Todd, you know, would, would you share some of your testimony and, and uh, uh, what your life was kind of like? And uh, CJ shared his testimony last week. And I'm going to tell you this. Me and CJ's testimonies are on the other side of the world. Okay? He... He's in China and I'm in the USA. All right. No, no. But but what what was what was really speaking to me in that was it doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter to God how what kind of walk of life you came up in. He wants to meet you in that walk of life. You know, and so I started thinking uh, I heard Morgan's testimony um, uh a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, Morgan? Yeah. Um, praise God, I'm a saint compared to Morgan, man, you know. I mean, I mean uh, is that okay to say that, Morgan? Okay. But, um, um, but you know, what, what God's done in this man is tremendous. It just blew me away when I was sitting there. I was like, man, I did not know that. If I knew that, I wouldn't have went with him. You know, no, just, just joking. Morgan is really a testimony of what God does in somebody's life. And so, anyways, that's my baby picture. And you know how much I remember about that stage in my life? Can anybody guess? Zero. Zero. I don't remember a cotton-picking thing, okay? I don't remember being that cute. And I don't remember having that head of a hair, that, that much hair, which I'm sure I did. But um, so I don't remember. Now, how many of you can go back to that stage in your life where, where you remember being a baby? No, we, we, we don't, you know. Okay. So as things progressed, I'm going to show you another picture. Um, I forget. That's me. Do you, do you, we didn't have a camera, so we just kind of like, 
My aunt would go, hold still, let me draw a stick man of you. No, honest truth, if I would have got a hold of my aunt, she's probably got 5,000 pictures of me growing up. My brothers and my sisters. I mean, my aunt took pictures everywhere we turned. She was snapping a shot of us. And, um, you know, I, um, I'm kind of really honored my brother's here today. And um, he was a big inspiration to me growing up. Because... Um, how many of you remember the group Kansas? Anybody remember the group Kansas? Yeah. You remember the violin player with the hair that was like out to here? That was my brother. <laughs> my brother had the coolest hair, man. I remember thinking, I wish I could grow hair like that, but mine just grew straight and long. So there was times in my life where I talked my mom into giving me a perm. Can you believe that? I want some fuzzy hair. Give me a perm, Mom, you know? And so, 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 yeah, that's a hard one to picture, isn't it? Yeah. And it still, it still wasn't like, my brother's was just naturally, boom, you know? But, um, so, I, I started remembering, um, how many of you were at Father's Heart this week, um, had the privilege of going through that ministry? I did it, I think, for the fourth time. It, it was, it's, it's really an incredible ministry. And if you ever have the chance, go to it. Well, Hattie. See, how much is he remembering that I'm saying right now? You know, he's not going to grow up and go, man, I remember Todd back, you know. No, but um, I, I started remembering my life at Probably the age of, Melinda, when did we come back from California and living in Grandma Brown's house? Uh, you were probably older than that, because I thought I was about six or seven at, at that time. So anyway, okay, so anyways, um, we, we, we came back from California, and uh, uh, just to say we were in some rough periods of our life at that time. And um, that's when I kind of remembered my childhood starting. And when my childhood started at that point in time, it wasn't this like um, cuddly, fuzzy feeling. It was just like, hey, Todd, life is starting now. Time to suck it up. And it's time to play ball. I can remember I mean, the, the Lord gave me that memory again, and I just remember at that point in time in my life, I knew, I knew that me, my brothers, my sister, all of us, were just kind of in survival mode from there on. It, it was time to survive. And um, I'm not, I, you know, this, I don't want to go into gory details in, in my testimony because that's, that's not what it's about. What, what it is about, I feel today, is the stages God took me through. And who I get to say who he is to me. Now, um, I think um, we all can give the, the answers that the, the disciples gave, right? Well, you're the son of God. Wouldn't... Or your Savior. Or your Holy 
You know, I mean, there were some answers that, that are common that we would give, you know. But when um, I tell you, when this started really rolling around inside of me, it was about two weeks ago. And actually, my my oldest sister, Melinda, she came into the youth and she gave her testimony on who do you say that I am? And man, that opened a box of whoop it on me, man. I sat there and I was just I was blown away of how many things I decided I don't want to remember anymore. And I was just sitting there uh, growing up, you know, growing up, I saw her, saw her die almost, if not 40 times more. Because she was an asthmatic, a bad asthmatic. I've seen her every color that that the, the crayon people can make. And I, I just remember thinking, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and she ain't going to be here. You know, I mean, and so when Melinda was done telling her, her, her testimony, which I hope sometime you all have the privilege of hearing it. But without a doubt, I said, Jesus is healer to her because she was healed from, from asthma. She was set free from that. She was set free from some scarrings in her life. So Jesus is her healer. So I'm going to take you down the course, and I'm not going to take a lot of time because I know we're, we're burning some hamburgers out there, and, and uh, everybody wants to get out and grub it, and, and me being one, you know. And so um, this is kind of where I remember starting life and uh, knowing that I was just kind of in survival mode. And, and, um, as kids, we, we did what it took, you know, to kind of, um, uh, get by, um, in no way I, I want you to ever think that I'm bashing my mother or my father. Cause I'm not, I would never do that. And cause I respect them and I honor them, but circumstances from life kind of took them to where they were. Um, I never forget, um, my, my great grandmother Brown was, was she our great grandma at that time? Yeah, she was our great grandma. And, um, this lady loved us. She loved us unconditionally. I mean, we were these little half breed Mexican snot nosed running kids when it wasn't popular to be half Mexican in Perry, Oklahoma. And my grandma, she loved us. I mean, she, she uh, you know how I knew she loved me? She'd whoop me. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, my brother and my sister can testify to many times her going, you go on out to that tree and pick a switch. <laughs> and so grandma at that time, grandma, you know, she was kind of getting up a little long in tooth, you know, and so. I thought, I'm going to go out and pick this little bitty switch and see if Grandma can hit me with this little bitty switch. I'd bring that little bitty switch in, and she'd go, that ain't big enough. And out the door she went. And Grandma would go pick a switch that she decided she was going to hit us with. And I do say hitting because my Grandma would rear that arm back, and it would come down with thunder. But this lady played a massive role in our lives as children. 
Um, if it wouldn't have been for my grandma, whoo, it, 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 would, it would have been rough, rougher than what it was all, already was. But um, I remember the first person to ever say they loved me was my grandmother Brown. And not did she, she didn't say it just once. She said it every night to us. When we'd be going to bed, whatever, she would say, I love you. And man, that lady was a testimony. My gosh, she was incredible. I don't know why I'm going down this rabbit trail, but I'm going to. But I'll never forget, kind of, as I got into my what should we call it, Melody? Rebellious stage of life? And uh, I, I, I really do thank God my brother's here because I can drag him along with me in this. <laughs> and he's probably like, I wouldn't have come if I would have known. But me and my, uh, my brother, he was in kind of a stage of life, too, where he was just kind of sowing his oats, to say. And... Uh, at points in time, we lived with my grandmother, Brown, in her upstairs. So we had the upstairs. And I promise you, there was no screens on the window, because out the window every night we went. Sometimes me and my brother would meet each other coming and going. And he'd be like, Short, where are you going? That's my nickname, Short. And so, uh, but... Um, we didn't think my grandma could come up them stairs because she was so old. So we were just going to live life. Up. We were going to party up there. Upstairs was ours. And uh, <laughs> um, I had a cousin, too, that was kind of ornery. And, and uh, um, we, we did certain things that we shouldn't have. We partaked of certain stuff that you shouldn't have. And... Um, uh, I'll never forget, there was a trap door. You remember that trap door, Vic? That's where we'd hide all our dope, in that trap door, because you had to come up to the stairs, had to get up on a railing to open this trap door and put all your dope up there. So I was excited because I had quite a, a lot of dope up there. And I came home one evening, <laughs> And it was all gone. And I was thinking, who ripped me off? Somebody ripped me off, you know. And I think this is when me and my cousin was living there. And uh, we had plans for all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> we just did. And I remember we kind of went into panic mode feeling up there. So finally I hoisted him up there and he was like, I don't see a thing. And I hear the downstairs door go, Err! and my grandma goes, you boys, I want to see you down here right now. And I, I was like, in a minute, <laughs> then I start thinking, did she get up here and get on this railing? <laughs> She's too short, even with the railing to get up here, you know? So when we went, went downstairs, I remember seeing this old brown rickety ladder 
Remember the old wood ladders? They weighed like 50 pounds. She took that upstairs. And she said the Lord told us where we were hiding stuff. But I think she knew because of my brother in previous times. But, but she got up there and she cleaned us out, man. And she commenced to, to, to give us a talk. And she commenced to um, tell us in the midst of all that how much she loved us and she was going to tell my mom. And I was like, oh, mom ain't going to do nothing. You know, seriously, I was, I was I was on my own, so I was like, oh, you go ahead, tell mom, grandma. Sound, sounds good to me. Well, um, in all of that, grandma kept loving me, 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 kept loving Vic, kept loving everybody in my family. She poured into us physically, mentally, and spiritually. She poured her finances into our life. She prayed for us like no one could pray. And she she just loved us. And I'm going to tell you, honest truth, from Melinda to Vic to me, we we were not easy kids to be around. Melody was a sweetheart. (laughs) Melody was kind of like that little rat terrier dog. (laughs) That kind of bites at your knees, you know. Melody would just follow you. What you doing? You know, be quiet, you know. But um, I'll never forget um, being able to know, even where I was walking, that someone loved me. Now, at that point, I didn't know Jesus. And even though my grandmother preached Jesus to us, she, she would tell us about him. She would take us to the first Christian church, the, the whole nine, nine yard. We'd go to Sunday school and terrorize people. I remember the first church camp I went to, I was so excited. I got to go to church camp. I got to go, go home that very day. I mean, I was there like two hours and ended up throwing a knife at a kid. And they sent me home, and I couldn't get it. That crushed me. I couldn't be at church camp. So, you remember that church camp, Kim, out there somewhere in the boondocks? But, so anyways, my grandmother loved me through that whole stage, and, and I just really d- decided in all of that that I was just going to live my life. And I was going to live it to the fullest because I knew by the time I was 20 years old, I'd be dead. That had already set in. That reality was there. And so um, I, I started doing every possible thing that I could. Everything that I could. Um, you want to show my, my next childhood picture, Shan? This is me again. And by then, I was kind of an angry feller. And I was rebelling. I was rebelling as best as you could rebel. I promise you, I was good at it. And um, got to the point where I'm going to kind of let you know 
I was not a very pleasant person to be around. And um, I can remember people coming up and talking to me and people like Tim Tovar and Melinda Foshi, they would talk to people for me. They would answer for me. Um, I was just I was just a case. Reminds me of Judah a lot, but without the baggage. But Judah won't talk to anybody. Um, okay, so I was I was at that point in time I was really angry, and I was going through a lot in life, and um, I couldn't understand why my dad was the way he was. I couldn't understand why my mom was the way she was, why she was letting things happen to us that really stunk, and and uh, you know why. Why uh, my dad blew all his money on other things and and just all all that stuff. And so thus ended this stage of my life. If you can bring that picture up. There I am. And my brother can remember this because my brother had to come and get me out of jail. And um, I, I, um, I got in pretty deep with, with the wrong crowd. And, um, you know, I just want to say, you know, you guys are probably thinking, well, how did he have time to finish high school and all this kind of stuff? I didn't. There, wasn't so, there was not a thing that I started that I finished. It got too tough, I walked away. And so there I am. I mean, I am a total wreck. And uh, actually my brother and his wife, Kim, are letting me live in their house at that time with one of their young sons, which I don't think was a real good decision at that time. (laughs) But I do believe my brother loved me. I do believe my sister-in-law loves me. And um, I remember the first time when everything started coming to an end. And I'm skipping over a lot of stuff because I want to get to who Jesus is. When it all started coming to an end was, was right here. Um, one of Gary Clarkson's friends pulled me over on I-35. You were probably a highway patrolman at that time, Gary. And um, um, I was in another world. And when, when they decided that they needed to take me to a safe place, um, I was toting a three fifty seven Magnum, a sawed-off shotgun, um, and I was just going for it. And I was headed to Kansas to go make quite a purchase. And I had another guy with me, and I didn't think it was fair that they weren't arresting him, but they were arresting me, you know. Um, And we had consumed a a lot of uh, beverages on on that trip. And so um, the first thing that happened, (laughs) and (laughs) I know when my brother saw me, he probably thought, dear Lord, but... The first thing that happened, when that highway patrolman pulled me out of his car, he pulled me out of the car next to one of them big steep embankments that are solid concrete. 
And down I went. And by that time, I was handcuffed. And I could just remember my face eating that concrete over and over. And this poor highway patrolman chasing me, trying to stop me from going all the way to the bottom. And and I did go all the way to the bottom. And so when they took me from there, they took me to county. They threw me in the county. And when they did, I was so wore out, I just threw myself back and I hit the bars and split the back of my head open. And I, I was a mess. But the only thing, you know what I was thinking at that time? They're going to be upset in Kansas that I didn't make it. I was a mess. Now, I want to tell you, during this whole course of time, and and my brother can testify to this because he did the same thing. My mom would come to town. We would leave town. Because she would come and tell us she was praying for us, and she knew God could change us, and, and she, she was coming. And, boy, she – so I got in really good with my aunt, and I'd say, when's mom coming to town? And she said, well, she's going to be here tomorrow. I'm gone. But I'm going to tell you this. If it wasn't for the grace of that woman, night after night after night after night in her room, crying out to God for me, I, I I would have been dead. There, there's no doubt about that. But that woman, she would she would go and she would let me know how much she was praying for me, how much she loved me. She didn't care what I was doing. She knew God could change me. And and the whole time I was just going, ain't no way. The time I'm 20, and I was still thinking this because someone had said it to me. By the time you're 20, you're going to be dead, Todd. Words are powerful. Words are powerful what they do to you. And so I remember this all went down, and I'm sitting in in jail, and I'm thinking, there's no one I can call but my brother. And it's not because he was rich or anything. It was just I knew he would come and at least try and get me out. And uh, he did. He showed up. And I, I had to go to the court thing, you know, where you sit there and they go, are you guilty? And I said, absolutely. I'm not denying it. And I can remember my blood, brother looking at me and going, you are a mess. I think I was all scabbed up by then from all the concrete mess and all that kind of stuff. And... Um, From there, you would think, hey, man, he's going he's gonna to change now. Right, Morgan? We change. No, my brother got me out. And I, matter of fact, I think I had to do some extra time on that one. I can't remember what quite happened. Oh, I did because I got in good with all the people that wanted to give you tattoos. And I didn't want any tattoos, not jail tattoos. <laughs> And so I got in good with them, and so I had to go back several times. And so I, I would smuggle stuff in, like cigarettes and whatnot, and, and just like, leave me alone. And, and, you know, you just bought these guys off kind of thing, you know. And so um, that, that went on the course of, I think, when I got out, I couldn't drive. 
They took my license. They took everything. I was a little upset. They, 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 you know, they took my weapons. They took my vehicle. They took everything. And so here I was, this guy with nothing, bumming rides off of his brother and his sister-in-law, man, you know. And I'll tell you, Kim was happy to give you a ride at that time because she would, she would preach Jesus at you too. Yeah. Well. That's the part we was going to just kind of. But um, course of life went on. And um, I um, basically just kind of rearmed myself and reloaded and, and uh, went back in the same vein of life. Didn't care what people thought. Started driving again. Got another vehicle. Had no license. Taking all the back roads and everything, you know, so no one sees you or anything like that, you know, because all the policemen knew me. And um, I'll never forget in, in the day that really just everything sunk home. How many of you ever heard of the Grateful Dead? They, they were this... This, uh, what a name, huh? Grateful Dead. Hey, we're the Grateful Dead. Um, I was at one of their concerts. And um, stuff really got kind of ugly there. And um, I, remember, I remember it all vividly. But I'm going to jump forward to the point where I knew I was dying. I don't know how much acid I had taken, but I had taken more than anybody should ever take. And so I knew my heart was doing just, I thought, it's going to blow out of my chest, man. And so I talked to this guy and I said, hey, man, just drag me out and throw me on a car hood and everything will be good. You know, it's over. And I remember thinking at that time, now I'm not going to say, raise your hands if you've ever done this kind of drug. No, I don't want to know. I'd be a little disappointed if Lisa was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I don't know what you did in North Dakota or South Dakota. So, no. But um, I remember at that point, if, if you've ever done this kind of stuff, you know you don't sober up like that. It takes sometimes days. And I remember going, God, if you're real, I need to get out of this. And it was like this. And I was in my right mind, and I was totally sober, and it freaked me out. And I said, I've got to get back to Perry and go see Grandma Brown. She was still alive at that time. And so I'm not going back in there to ask any of my buddies for a ride or anything. So I hit the road. I get on I-35, and I fire up my vehicle right here, and I'm hitchhiking back to to Perry. And wouldn't you know it, here comes a buddy down the road. He pulls over and picks me up. Um, 
he was one of Vic's favorite people. His name was Frankie Pierce. Uh, he, he, Vic would tell me, that's a bad dude. Get away from him. Get away from him. But by that time, I will tell you, my, my brother, he had some children, had cleaned his life up, and, and doing incredible. Still is, praise the Lord. Um, but um, he picked me up, and he was like, hey, let's go do this. Let's go. Ain't that just like the devil? And I was just going, take me to my grandma's. Take me to my grandma's. I, I know I had to look weird. I was like, take me to my grandma's. I want to go to my grandma's, man. <laughs> you know? like, and literally, I promise you, when I walked into my grandmother's brown, the only thing I had to my name was a pair of jeans. I had no shoes. No, I don't know where my shirt went. I mean, because, you know, us, us guys, as we get older, we know that the swag kind of turns into sag, you know. And, and it just, we're not as cool as we used to be, you know. And so back then, you know, you can run around without a shirt on because, you know, you're just this young guy. So I had no shirt. I, I had a pair of jeans, and I walked in, and my Grandma Brown, the first thing she wanted to do was make me shake-and-bake chicken. And I did not. I, I hated shake-and-bake chicken. How many of you ever had shake-and-bake chicken? Did you like it? I don't know what the purpose behind shake-and-bake chicken was, man. Shake-and-bake chicken and a glass of tang. I hate tang. <laughs> Did any of you ever have tang? I didn't get tang with ice. I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. You know, my grandma, she was incredible because she could make some good wine, too. You remember that little thing? She'd make wine. (laughs) She'd be, you all been drinking my wine? I don't know why it's empty, Grandma. <laughs> Must have leaked out. But um, I remember walking in, and my Grandma Brown, she wanted to feed me, and she wanted to rehydrate me because I promise you, I weighed maybe soaking wet. Probably I weighed 120 pounds at that time. I mean, it, I was a mess. And... Uh, my Grandma Brown wanted to feed me. She wanted to love me. And I, I, I remember she's, I'm sitting here, and she's not looking at me like, you're filthy. You're, oh, my gosh, you know. She's looking at me like, I love you, and this, this is the time. And I remember my Grandma Brown says, you need to call your cousin Vince and tell him to come and get you. And by that time, he was living in Broken Arrow. Uh, that's another story. That, that guy, he, he disappointed me. He got all hooked on Jesus, and, and he walked away from everything. And I remember going up to Broken Arrow, and I did everything I could possibly do to try and make him fall. And all he would do was pray for me. And so I'll never forget, she was like, you need to call him. He'll come and get you. And I was like, ah, the last person I want to be around is Vince. And so at that point in time in my life, it's the first time I ever heard my Grandma Brown say, she said, you're dying, Todd. And she said, you need help. She said, you need to go. And 
but not before she made me chicken and tang, though. So. And, uh, oh, Lord, man, you remember how I had to peel apples for her all the time. Any of you ever have to do that, peel apples for your grandma because they make apple pie? Or she had pecan trees, and you dare not leave a little piece of pecan in a shell. She had them little silver things. You would hook the, the thing. We'd sit, we'd sit there. We, we would have to watch gun smoke. You had to watch gun smoke. It was like, be quiet, gun smoke's on. You're like, Hawaii Five O, the original. You remember that? And Elvis was king. And Johnny Cash wasn't bad either. My grandma, that that was, oh, and the Lawrence Welk show never got it. I'm like, man, but she loved it, you know, and so. At that point in time, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, my cousin made it from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Perry, Oklahoma in 45 minutes. He was moving. And he had this little Ford Mustang Pinto thing that I promise you, on a good day, it would only do 65. You know? And so it was like a movie when he pulled up. That thing was steaming and sitting out there going, couldn't get it to shut off. And he was like, hurry, get in, get in. And I was like, you know, and and, uh, sure enough, man, that that car would not stop. What do you call that when it, uh, decently, it was just sitting there going, wouldn't shut off. So he, he wanted me to jump in real quick. We jumped in, he turned the key, we took off. And, um. In, in that course, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I did have some charges against me at that point in time. And they were not county jail charges. They were like, you're going to go away, charges. And um, I, got, I got to Broken Arrow. I got all set free. Got, my, 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 my parents were going to Rama, my stepfather and my mother. That, you know, they were like, ah, oh, you know, and, and that's where I rededicated my life. And, and uh, this is the point I'm going to hit on here in a second. But, man, I, 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 I just really got pumped about Jesus, man. Got all set free, got all jacked up for him, you know. And I'll never forget the day came, and it was my lawyer. And I didn't even know I had one. <laughs> I didn't. And uh, he said, it's time to come, come on back to Perry because uh, uh, they're going to start taking you through the process of, of this. And uh, I had got caught in with some stuff that was not very favorable to me. And so they um, told me, this, this lawyer told my stepfather, he said, at the most, he'll get three years. And I was like, I don't want to do three years. I'm sorry. I told Jesus I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to do three years. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm like, come on, man. You know? And so my father, stepfather, I don't know how many of you got to meet him. He was, he was a neat man. Um, he told the lawyer on the phone, he said, he ain't coming. 
<laughs> now, how many of you tell the court system you're not coming to, 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 to your, your court date and your trial or whatever, you know? Well, he tells him, he said, he's not coming. And he goes, well, he can't do that. He's got to come. Well, no, he's not going to come. Thanks for calling. This kind of man he was. And so he hangs up. Guy calls back and he says, listen, you don't understand. If he doesn't come, what's going to happen? And still again, he's not coming. And um, I'll never forget, this is about two weeks later, that, that guy called. And he said, I don't know why. I, I, he said, I've never seen this. He said, but it's all been dropped. They, they, they've just thrown it out of court. This whole thing's been dropped. And basically what he said is tell Todd not to come back to Perry. And so when I do go to Perry these days, I go in on the tail end and just kind of, no. <laughs> no, but he, they basically said, don't come back. We don't want to see you. And I'm telling you, at that time, I knew it was God. And at that time, I'll never forget in this laundry room in that apartment complex where my parents were staying and they were housing all of us about that time, weren't they, Melinda? I mean, there was a bunch of us in there. And, and uh, I'll never forget, I surrendered. And we were talking about this. You know, I, I had, I had some, some addictions to my life. And at that point in time, that quick. I was set free. I was set free. You know, when I left there, I didn't have the hankering to go do the things that I did. It was, it was severed at that moment. And, and I, sometimes I don't know why some people are not set free just automatically, and some people, it takes a course. But you know, that, that's a journey between them and God. And, and at me, and at this point, it, uh, my journey was, was uh, coming to an end in my old nature and my new nature was coming alive. So Eric, who do you say Jesus is, man? Yeah, if 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 Jesus was sitting there and go, Eric, who do you say that I am? Don't give me the old basic answer, man, you know. Take it out of the I, I, I say he's the son of God. Well, that's what God they say. Charlie, Savior, Zingo, your Lord, Morgan, your Lord and Master, CJ, huh, King, Ellen, come on, Savior, Lorenzo, Redeemer, Okay, now we're now we're now we're getting out a little, which is cool. Jared, I know you've always lived this clean life, man. And so, so. <clears throat> what do you say, man? Restore. Okay. Anybody else? Daddy, man. Who said that? There you go. Close friend. There you go. Security, deliverer, 
protector. Father. Well, he was your protector just recently, wasn't he? You, you're over there, and things are blowing up and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Will you show the next picture? He's my freedom. He is totally my freedom. I can say he's the son of God made flesh, yes. Do not disagree with that one bit. But when, when, I'm, when, I, when I surrendered in that laundry room, that's what became so huge to me, was he was my freedom. I was free. I was free to do, do things that I never imagined I was going to be able to do. You know, I, I, I never thought I was going to be this guy that has traveled around the world some. Never thought I'd do that. I've been all kinds of places. I don't know why God's let me do that, but he has. I never thought I would have four beautiful daughters and a beautiful wife. But I do. One of them six and get married. I don't know about that, but that's okay. <laughs> I have three daughters. No, just. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But he is absolutely one hundred percent my freedom, and he keeps me free. And so, honest truth, if, if Jesus was to say, hey, Todd, who do you say that I am? I'd go, Jesus, man, you're my freedom, man. You freed me from sin and death. And, and you gave me a tremendous life. Honest truth, it is the craziest ride God can take you on. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't care what your testimony looks like. You know, I love hearing CJ's testimony. I love hearing Greg's testimony. Greg was never this outright rebellious kid that, were you, Greg? But yet, you know, still his testimony is I wasn't. And in his testimony, I love. It's awesome, man, that he's walked it out from a young child. Incredible. So what I want to put inside of you right now is I want you to think about when Jesus really became relevant to you. That moment when the light bulb came on and you realized something had happened. And for me, it's when he became my freedom. And I will never deny that. I will never deny that he is the son of God. And that he's my savior. But you know, sometimes we want to take everything and put it in a box. And make it be just right. You know, I remember going through father's heart this weekend and a guy said, I, I can't relate to a dad. 
He said, I have a hard time relating with, with, with Father God. He said, people are talking about crawling up in his lap and him protecting you and keeping you safe. He said, that's not how it was for me when I was a kid. And I could relate. But let me tell you, I can crawl up in my father's lap and, and, and call him dad and say, you are my protector. You are my freedom. Would you stand with me? He's righteous. He's holy. He's our deliverer. He's our savior. He's king of kings. He's grace and mercy. He's love. He's healing. I just thank you, Father God. 